0: Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to introduce to you Michael and Mary Ruth, Hannah, and they have been entrepreneurs forced into entrepreneurship, and maybe even long before that. How are you doing, Mary Ruth? And how are you doing, Michael? Great. Thanks for having us on. Yep,
1: doing great. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. And I know, I know your story, and others don't. Uh, how uh, you went into the office one day, and then the office was no more. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people have started business that way. But just to go back further for a moment for for the two of you, when was your first experience uh, being entrepreneurs, or was this the first one? This was
2: our first um, foray into a true brick-and-mortar retail business. Uh, Prior to that, Mary Ruth had a number of years of experience uh, involved in real estate, buying and uh, selling properties. Um, So I wouldn't say that our current venture is brand new to us uh, as far as being entrepreneurs goes but it certainly is the first time we've ever worked with large numbers of the public on a daily basis.
0: So, Mary Ruth, when you got into the investment business, what, how did that all start? What caused um, you to buy that first investment property?
1: So I was at, we've always liked real estate, and I had a real desk job. I was in sales, job sharing with someone because I had young children, and I just decided it wasn't anything that I was enjoying. And I remember looking at Michael one day and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to buy a house and fix it up and sell it. So I did that, and I did it for about maybe 10 years. And it was great because I could be with the kids when they were not in school, and I would fix up the houses. I had a crew of contractors who I'd work with, and I'd do about one a year. And it was just enough to make enough money so that I didn't have to go to an office.
0: So your very first house, let's say we have some listeners right now, hey, they'd like to try this investment, but what would you uh, recommend that they do?
1: You have to be willing to get down and dirty. It was our experience. The best deals are on houses that most people might not be willing to take on, One of them, I remember Michael and I going and looking at a house, and he put his hand up in a vent, and a mouse ran down his arm. And I spent many days scrubbing woodwork that was just so filthy it hadn't been cleaned in 15 years. Those Mm. are the kind of houses you're going to get the best deal on. What do you think, Michael?
2: I would be very cautious at this point in the market because housing prices have come back rents across the United States have gone up significantly. So a lot of stuff is priced pretty high. So if you were to go down that road in real estate at this point, you need to explore neighborhoods if you can find them in your town or city that haven't been fully discovered or find smaller towns where the real estate economy hasn't fully come back yet and keep an eye out for opportunities in smaller towns where the economy still has some room to grow. That's the advice that
1: that I would give on that count. And look, with owner financing, and it's worked out really well for us as opposed to going through banks, not as many fees, not as many requirements. So that's another advice.
0: That's the best money. (laughs) Uh, The owner financing, yes, absolutely. So you see that there still is opportunity, but... You could overpay if you're not careful right now. Is that what you're saying there, Michael?
2: That's what I'm suggesting. I don't want to position myself as some kind of a real estate expert, but we do own a few rental properties. There are some things along the way that we kept. Um, Mm -hmm. At the time, seemed pretty risky over the long run. It's worked out well. I think there are opportunities, but I think you have to be very selective. At least where we live in Portland, Oregon, the economy has come roaring back very quickly over the past year and a half rents have gone up dramatically and that has brought up the price of real estate so I would just suggest be careful and maybe be more location specific finding opportunities in places that other people may not have already discovered
0: so you don't want to get the fully mature best spots you want to get something that isn't going downhill but uh, is on the lower level that may start to that's heading in the higher higher echelon of, of, of owners
2: I mean the right answer is yes to that question I, I'm not going to tell you that it's easy to figure that out or picture what a particular neighborhood is going to look like in 10 years. But yeah, it's a balancing act, just trying to make sure it pencils out. In a place like where we live, you want to make sure that the apartment, the world of apartments is not getting too overbuilt so that it's money well spent On if you do decide to make that kind of investment.
0: All right. Okay. But it sounds like if you can, go after seller financing.
2: We like owner financing on uh, a commercial property. Uh, yeah. We bought recently because it was less expensive and was there weren't as many requirements to meet. So it was fairly easy to get the financing through the owner financing, the seller financing, as you say.
0: Okay. Now, your next venture after the real estate investment was the mattress business. Is that correct?
2: Uh, that is true that was our next uh, step into the world of entrepreneurship I had as you mentioned at the beginning I had more of a corporate job working for a large media company managing 40 people in a advertising sales department and one day was called into my boss's office and told that I didn't know that I no longer had a job so after many months of exploring different options we looked at a lot of different things we decided to open a a single-location mattress store?
1: I don't think we actually decided to open a mattress store. It evolved into opening a mattress store. Michael decided for some unknown reason that he wanted to sell a truckload of factory-second mattresses and was talking to a friend about that at dinner one night, and the friend said, well, I know where we can get that truckload. And so they bought it and sold those mattresses over a weekend or two. And so Michael said, well, that's that was a little successful, let's buy another one. And that's how the t- business turned into a full-time mattress store.
0: Neither one of you had any background in mattresses or retail even, I guess. That is true. So you, we, a person can do that because there's a lot of listeners that don't have those backgrounds, but it can be done. I feel
2: like mattresses, I mean, no, we didn't really know anything about mattresses, but it turns out that a mattress is a fairly simple product in a lot of mm-hmm. ways it's very transparent. We are not high tech people, so we are not the kind of mm-hmm. people who are going to sit around and invent some kind of a an app or some type I of h- highly technical device. We don't know how to write code or anything like that. So we have to keep we were trying to keep an eye out for tangible things that we understand and that consumers may understand as well. So mattresses ultimately made a lot of sense to us.
0: So let's go into detail of this if we could. So, okay, uh, Mary Ruth, you you got the first load and you rented a temporary place or, or, or what?
1: Yeah, that was actually, yourself. Michael, I didn't step in until about six weeks into the game. He still started early. and he sold the first truckload And then as it started to get busier, I thought that he could use some of my organizational skills. And that's when I stepped in. So I was late into the game. It took me six weeks to get in.
2: But this mm-hmm. is about um, – this is back – The store itself opened January 2nd, 2010, but the kind of big picture or a little bit of details leading up to that was in November of 2009, I started uh, looking for a place that we could rent on a temporary basis. At that point in Portland, Oregon, at least, there were a lot of vacant commercial buildings. It was the height of the recession. We had our pick of the litter, so to speak, and I found an old car lot that had gone out of business and it was a big, beautiful, modern, indoor location. And I went to the owner of this building who had just got lost his Chrysler dealership and told him, Hey, I can pay you a thousand bucks for the month of January. And he said, terrific. So I, we used a home equity line of credit against the house that we own. And borrowed $8,000 to purchase the truckload of mattresses, $1,000 to pay the rent in advance. And then, um, I invited a friend to help me do the deliveries and we got this truckload of mattresses and we laid them all out on the floor of this old indoor car dealership. Then I, um, when we opened our doors on January 2nd, 2010, I went on to Craigslist and started putting all the inventory on the Craigslist with photographs of these mattresses and people started coming to buy them.
0: So what would you say your secret was, uh, being second, you could beat everyone's prices? or
2: um, Pricing was important. Uh, the location was important. Keeping our initial costs down was really important. Uh, we borrowed a friend's pickup truck at the very beginning to use that to do the deliveries. And then very quickly what it became, Ken, was providing super excellent customer service and making shopping for this product more than just a transactional purchase, uh, making it something meaningful to people and making it something where they could come into our store and they they would get really great service. That was kind of the initial part. Fairly quickly after we got going, um, we started to understand that we could uh, work with local manufacturers that it turns out there's a lot of mattresses manufactured in the United States and, and there's a bunch of different manufacturers in the Portland, Oregon area. So we started working with local manufacturers, and that became kind of our hallmark, and that is uh, locally made mattresses.
0: And did you put your own name on it so that there wouldn't be a problem with pricing, you know, compared to other people they were supplying or something, or did you, or do you, were you using Sealy and all of the big names?
2: So that's a good question. We have never used Sealy, Simmons, or Tempur-Pedic. We've intentionally avoided those mattress names. We are using medium-sized local manufacturers, and frankly, we don't use any brand names for the most part. Most of our mattresses, we put our own um, private label on. We just call them mattress lot mattresses. Um, We get a few memory foams from out of state and some all-natural latex mattresses um, that have a brand name, but many of the mattresses are just our own in-house label. We've stayed away from brand names.
1: Mm in a neighborhood um, and in a city that buying local is very important. Having as natural products is very important. So people tend to steer away from the big names. And we find that you can offer a um, much better value if you don't have a big name. You're not paying for the franchise fees of the service or the marketing fees that go along with that. And so we're able to offer just as good of a product for a lot less money, frankly. Mm. And if there's a warranty issue, You're not going down the chain of command to get it fixed. It's us calling our rep at the factory saying, here's a problem, and it's taken care of within a week. And so people really like that.
0: So you mentioned memory mattresses, so that's a little off the beaten trail. Did you get into waterbeds or anything else like that?
2: (laughs) Uh, No, no waterbeds. The other thing I was going to mention, Ken, that related to mattresses, and, and this is something that could be related to a lot of industries in Portland, Oregon, we knew from a from a tiny bit of research that we did, and we did not do a lot of research. But it came to our attention that in Portland, Oregon, the annual expenditures on mattresses are approximately $140 million a year, maybe a little
0: bit more. How big an area? Is that all U.S., you mean? or
2: No, that's just in Portland, Oregon. There's a million households in Portland, Oregon metro area.
0: Wow. My point is,
2: You don't need to own a huge portion of that market. If you get just a tiny fraction of that market, like 1% or 1.5%, you can make a living. You can create a business, and that's all we've done. We don't need to dominate or own the entire mattress market in Portland, Oregon. We just need a tiny sliver of that pie, and we can make a living.
0: Okay. So let's go to some of our listeners. Okay, I'm in Clearwater, Florida, which... We have all kinds of manufacturers around here for sure of mattresses. How easy is it in today's market to start doing what you're doing right now in the mattress field?
2: I'm not sure that I can tell you it's super easy. I don't have the exact formula.
0: So, I think that you could take
1: any product and use our formula and be successful. And I'm go- and I- Michael's mentioned this before. But the formula for success is excellent customer service, never having a dissatisfied customer. So mm-hmm. if you have the stomach in Florida to buy a bunch of mattresses and be able to say the customer is always right, even if it costs you quite a bit of money, you're going to start getting good reviews. So I think that someone who's willing to, To do that could make a go of it. There are many competitors here. I don't even know if they know that we exist or they didn't for years. We just kind of fly under the radar. We offer Mm -hmm. a really great product and really, really good service. And I think that's what makes us successful. And if someone's willing to do that and things that Business School 101 would say to never do, probably, we do just because... The customer is always right. It's kind of like the Nordstrom of mattress stores, I think.
2: Mm -hmm. I would agree. I don't think that what we're doing in Portland, Oregon, would be that much different in a place like Phoenix or Clearwater, Florida or Miami or Knoxville, Tennessee. I, I would imagine it could work. But it really comes down to customer service and trying to do something a little bit different in a very crowded marketplace. Anybody listening to this podcast, if you watch TV in any city in America, you're going to see loads of mattress store commercials. We do Mm -hmm. not do any advertising at all. We do no radio, no TV, and no newspaper. Our customers either hear about us from friends or they find us online because of all the positive reviews we get.
0: So how do you uh, build yourself up online? Are you writing articles every day or what, what kind of things are you doing there?
2: Nope, we have a website. We have a guy who we pay a very small amount every month who's just a super great guy. He happens to live in Florida, as it so happens. If anybody needs an SEO person, they can call me offline and I'll introduce you to my our friend Todd. <laughs> if you search for mattress stores in Portland, Oregon on Google, our website appears very high up organically. And that's a very critical part of the business. A lot of our customers write reviews about us. So if you go to Yelp or Google and you type in Mattress Store Portland, Oregon, or if you typed into Google right now, type in the words, what is the best mattress store in Portland, Oregon, our store is going to pop up at or near the top. That came from uh, some pretty good search engine optimization, but it also came from just providing consistently good customer service. And the other mattress stores spend in a market, in some of the Florida markets, will spend many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to promote themselves on TV and radio. Um, we don't spend any of that money.
0: Mary Ruth, you're kind of into the numbers in that. What do you think is realistic for someone to start a mattress store? I mean, I know it's going to vary depending on the rent in different places, but what do you think that would be a kind of a, a realistic a price before someone should even try to do it?
1: started this business for less than $10,000 and we would do things like when we were at the store, we decided we needed a telephone and so I went and added a $10 line to our existing cell account, so it was just an extra line. That has since changed. It has its own phone number. We went through Comcast or something, but at the very beginning, we figured out really inexpensive ways to do things like $10 a month for your telephone. Or um, our delivery truck is a used U-Haul truck, and we bought the first one, I think, for $2,800. And so we have always done things kind of, I don't want to say on the cheap, because we make sure that we buy quality, but we also make sure that we don't overspend on things that we don't need to.
0: Okay, so you have to have a bit of a shoestring startup attitude. You don't think that buying a $1,000 new office chair and a $2,000 desk is a good idea.
1: I think that's probably a really bad idea. Well, I mean, if you're on a shoestring budget, and we had, in the building we were in, it had been a car dealership, so we got to pick and choose those desks, That they weren't very attractive, but they certainly served the purpose.
0: But they worked fine. Okay. All right. Well, I think that, I mean, again, if you're not trying to be flashy, people realize that and your prices are right. I mean, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for to pay double a nice showroom, and you're attracting, you know, the type of customers that are looking for exactly what you have.
1: Our website, I created our website on my Mac computer. It's uh, iWeb. Um, I don't even know if they have it anymore. And at first, it was just I like to do things like that, on um, technical things, just to an extent. But at first, it was because we didn't want to spend the money. I still do our website because people like the showroom look of it. We probably could afford to get someone to come in and do a very slick-looking website, but that's not really who we are. We're not a slick-looking, a slick mattress store. We sit at the kitchen table sometimes to make revisions on our website, and so it's just an attitude that we have that we don't want to be slick, and we kind of like doing those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, I will verify that because I was speaking to uh, another person or his friend who had very successful website, but it was a real Mickey Mouse one very simple and then he got real slick he spent a few thousand bucks, fixed it up, and his business dropped seventy five percent so it wasn't doing the job that uh, so he went back to his old website you know again, depending on the people, but uh, he found that the people he was attracting he all he lost them all as soon as he got slick so, so I can see your, your your point there. if you could start any business right now, what would it be?
1: Um, the first thing I would say is something that I can personally carry. Um, when I want to make a change in the showroom, I have to recruit two or three guys to move a mattress. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that shoes would be really fun because I can move a box of shoes really easily.
0: Okay. So uh, uh, weight is an important thing to consider. <laughs> if
1: you like to rearrange things, having a mattress store, it's hard to do that on a frequent basis. you you got to have some able-bodied, to help you with that.
2: I can tell you what business I would not start, and I, maybe some of your listeners will be crestfallen to hear this. I would never start a restaurant. Uh, I agree. Too much work. It's too much work. It's too many moving parts. And when we were first thinking about starting a business, we thought about restaurants for about a minute, and just it's just too much. So. That's coming straight for me. I can't tell you that's good or bad advice, but
1: but thank I, goodness there are people out there who want to do that.
2: Because be like going to good yeah. restaurants, but we would never yes. start a restaurant.
0: So uh, just as far as elbow grease here for your business, what kind of hours did both of you put in those first six months a year?
2: I mean, the first couple of years, I, I feel like we worked very hard, especially the first year. We still had kids living at home. Our kids have since moved, gone off to college. Um, But at that time, I was carrying a lot, unloading trucks by myself, moving mattresses around, doing deliveries. Mary Ruth was always running the store and doing the sales. Um, In those days, I mean, it was for sure a five- to 7 day week deal. Fast forward five and a half years, and we're at a place now where we've got some really great managers in place, and we do not have to work five to seven days a week. Uh, We've been able to cut our hours back significantly and try to focus more on the big picture, Um, But at the very beginning, uh, we were there a lot, a lot of hours.
1: So um, this past fall, we had kind of a series of unfortunate events. Well, actually, one was great. Our store manager, who's been with us since March of our first year, she started as a salesperson and she's now store manager, she had a baby, so she went on maternity leave. And right before she went on maternity leave, another of our – employees was in an accident he was on his bicycle and was hit by a drunken driver and he was incapacitated for about two months and so we were down two salespeople for a couple months and Michael and I worked every day for those two months and that was hard so we still if there's a need we will still have to fill in but we don't have to on a daily basis right now
0: right but you're there to step in when you have to okay right Uh, and Michael just to ask you if you were going to start any business right now, because you know the economy and you have some idea what's going on there, what business would it be if you were to start a second business?
2: I'd like to do more involved with uh, real estate and possibly real estate development. We're, we're just at a place now where we're able to use some of the profits from the mattress store to do some other things in real estate. And so that truly interests me. I, I don't have any like great idea or inspirational thoughts about here's the next best thing. Um, I think something that we would consider doing someday is maybe expanding our current business, but going down a different road with some other uh, retail or online models related uh, directly to mattresses. Um, But I can't tell you that I've got some other vision outside of uh, real estate or outside of mattresses right now.
0: Have you considered franchising or, or business opportunities, setting something like that up?
2: So that's a good question. The franchise thing we will talk about every now and then, and that is the idea that people can do a franchise of our business model. And that's something that's out there. We are very concerned about the quality and the customer experience, and we might be a little bit too controlling to let go and allow someone else to use our name in a franchise-type environment. I wouldn't say it would never happen but that may someday make the most sense for expansion just simply because I don't know that we have the bandwidth to run three or four stores. I don't think that's in our DNA, but maybe having people who own franchises of what we're doing could really make sense.
0: Uh, just to mention here in Florida, there's one really hot, hot operator. has got like five locations and they're filled. He's got a great name, but he sells franchises, but all the franchises have to create a new name. So he, oh. he manages it and he sells it, but they don't use his name. And they're doing well, but he doesn't let anyone use his name.
1: That's interesting to me because what I'm afraid of is because of our customer service, and, and I have to make a confession, Michael is willing to take a short-term cut in money to make a long-term happy customer. It's harder for me. And because he's doing that, we've created a really great name. And I would have a hard time passing our name on to someone else because of that. And so mm-hmm. doing a franchise and not using our name actually sounds good to me.
0: Yeah, they're doing it really well. A lot of the uh, competing restaurants I didn't realize were, weren't really competitors. They were run by, well, you know, they were oh, uh, tied funny. into that that chain. So right. I, I just heard that recently. All right, so you would go back into doing a bit of what you guys were doing, real estate investing again it sounds like because you kind of – you kind of like that, Michael, and now you have a bit more money to, to maybe spend more on bigger properties or whatever. Is that Would that be the case? Um, I think
2: that's part of it. One thing that we did within the past two years is the building that we have our mattress store in, we had been paying rent, and then um, the opportunity came up to buy the building. So we figured out the financing, and we bought the building we are in. And I would just say that the match store is very successful and, and, and has a lot of value, um, but maybe someday down the road, the real estate itself could even be worth more. And that part of the exit strategy is selling the business someday. We're talking 10-plus years from now. And then those people who buy it pay us rent. So there's if, if you're heading down the road in retail, retail sales brick-and-mortar, At least our experience has shown that it's a a good idea, if possible, to buy the building that you're in, that in the long run that can make a lot of sense. Um, So we're really happy that we did that. And now we are always kind of on the lookout for other opportunities uh, related to real estate and trying to get creative on financing, whether it's seller financing or possibly bank financing. But we're trying to learn more about how financing can work and can help us increase uh, cash flow. On real
0: estate investments, I have to agree 100% with you. I started an online book company. I had 300,000 books, and I had to get bigger and bigger and bigger buildings. And then the last building couldn't find anything that I could rent, so I had to buy one. And uh, at the end of that seven years, I made uh, almost as much money from when I I sold the building than from the seven years of working in the business.
1: Right. For some reason, we've always liked real estate, and 20 years ago, 22 years ago. We um, were living in a house in an old neighborhood in Portland, and the duplex came for sale next door. And Mm -hmm. we decided that we would rather choose our neighbors than take a chance on who was going to live there. Mm -hmm. And we bought that property when Portland was actually affordable. It's not very affordable now. But that has allowed us, because it's grown in value, and that's actually, we probably used the line of credit on that or another building that we have to start this building, this business. So we've always had like to play with real estate, and um, we really believe in it.
0: It, uh, it sounds no, – I, I, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you like to live within your means and, and to invest rather than living too flashy a life, it sounds like. Would that be right there?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. You'll see that we both drive very down-to-earth cars, uh, we like to pay cash for things. Um, we are constantly, as we build up profits in the business, that money, the largest part of that money, well, it's paying for kids to go to college, but it's also going to pay down debt on uh, real estate investments. And so you're, you're absolutely right. You'll, if you saw our house, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing, we don't live in any kind of huge McMansion. Our cars mm-hmm. are always been relatively modest, and we just make sure we're trying to pay off debt as much as possible.
0: I think it's a great model. More people have to follow that uh, rather than doing it the other way, spending money they don't have, living beyond their means, and, and they're going backwards. Can of-
2: there's something to be said for that in the business that we run because a lot of furniture stores went out of business during the recession because they were living off of credit. What we do in our actual business on a daily basis is when we purchase products from our manufacturers and we spend – many tens of thousand dollars every month on mattresses and other kind of products. We pay cash up front. When the truck delivers a a, a $10,000 load of mattresses on a weekly basis, we write a check and hand it to the driver on the dock. Or we use a credit, we pay a credit card off immediately as we uh, purchase things. We have no debt on the business. Uh, We pay for everything as the money comes due so that we're never out 30, 60, or 90 days to any manufacturers. And that way, our customers can feel safe knowing that their products are always going to be in-house. As soon as they buy something, we pay for it, and and it's and we can get it delivered to the customer very quickly. And I've always felt that running a business like that makes a lot of sense and makes makes it a lot easier to sleep at night.
0: It's a great model. I agree that you guys have... uh done it the right way I think sometimes I mean I've had businesses where they were great when they first started and when they started going downhill I kept throwing money in them (laughs) and and, uh, I didn't you know it took me a while to learn that hey it's over you know for this business and and sometimes you got to know where to cut your losses and move on and you haven't had to do that but I'm sure you would if if you saw it coming
2: (laughs) if we had to close shop for some bad reason Every, nobody would be owed a cent. All of our employees would be paid. All of our taxes would expired. be paid. All of the manufacturers, uh, nobody would lose any money. And uh, we're very proud of that, that we pay as we go. It just works well for us.
0: That's good. That's good. How can folks get a hold of you, you uh, uh, people when they want, the ones that are living in your area and maybe ones that might have questions? Uh, what, what's your website, uh, if you could just say it over the air?
2: The website is mattresslot.com. It's M-A-T-T-R-E-S-S-L-O-T.com. And you can um, email us to our business email. It's buylocal at mattresslot.com. We're happy to take any questions and help people if they've got some specific things they want to ask us.
0: Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of questions out there. What would be some of the, the last uh, parting words to, to help the folks that are listening today uh, uh, from each of you, what would you have to say to them?
2: Um, something that we didn't talk about, and that is uh, hiring people to work and run the business. It's very, very hard to find the right people who you can ultimately trust and who you can ultimately hand a business off to to basically run for you while you're the owner. And we've been very fortunate over time to have hired some really terrific people who've helped make this business a success. We pay well. We pay above what the market might be for retail style jobs like the kind of jobs Mm -hmm. we offer or truck delivery drivers. We just make sure that we are paying above the market well above minimum wage and we find people we can trust and we try to treat them as well as possible with paid vacation time and paid time off and do as much as possible in the way of health benefits and things like that. And It does pay off. It can be expensive um, and it cuts into your overall margins, but these people are super, super valuable to us, and we try to create an environment where people like working with us.
0: Nice. So you attract the best and you keep the best. <laughs>
1: We've had Sarah for over five years. We've been in business for just over five years. She's been with us the whole time.
2: And she's terrific, and then if, if she sticks with us in the long run, there may be even more opportunities for her to make uh, even a, a lot more money. We, we like to think that'll be the case.
0: And, and Mary Ruth, what would you have to, to say to the people?
1: Um, I would just say that um, we were in our late 40s when this happened, and that's not too late to do something new. I was um, talking to a guy at a baseball game the other night. We were watching our son play, and he's probably, in his early 40s, does not like his job, feels paralyzed about whether he can start over again, and I would say that you can start over again, and you don't have to have a huge master plan. You've just got to be willing to work hard and just be smart about it, and we thought of many ideas, kind of crazy ideas before, and, and this just kind of happened, and we weren't looking to open a mattress store, but we saw that we were pretty good at selling and doing these things, and so we just kept with it and built it into something really great.
0: For most people, they would think a mattress uh, buying a, a load of mattresses to start with was pretty crazy, So, uh, but you did a bit of homework there, and you knew, wait a minute, this isn't so crazy. <laughs> Well, Isn't Michael had worked in
1: advertising, and he knew that there was a lot of money spent on um, advertising the mattresses. And if there was that mm-hmm. much money spent on advertising, there must be some decent money to be made. I think that was probably your thought process, wasn't it? Yep.
0: All right. Well, uh, I just want to thank you folks. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Mary Ruth. And uh, I'm sure you'll be getting some calls and you know, do what you can to help others to, to get themselves on the road. And uh, maybe we can talk to you down the road another year from now or something and find out your franchising under under other <laughs> names or whatever.
2: If somebody out there listening has a proposal for a uh, franchise, feel free to send us an email and we would definitely take that in consideration.
0: All right. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, thank you, folks, and uh, you have a great night. Appreciate thank uh, you very you much. It- thank you, Ken. It was really fun. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I know. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.